1: Oh, man, break out! You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for it, Jake. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is... I hope someone's recording this. So settle in. for a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any questions? Here's BD. Hey everybody, what's happening? We are back to the Making It series. It is the Brenton on Tour podcast for another week. You know, I've, I have these in the can. I got to, you know, some. I want to study on making it and people's version of making it and how they've defined it within themselves and if they're still searching for it and everyone has their own definition as we've covered in a few episodes already. So took a little break last week. Big thanks to my friend, Dean Blundell, for coming on, talking a little sober talk. We did some uh, pretty serious uh interaction and in numbers there so it was really really good and, and very uh, happy that you guys uh, uh, reached out and uh, sent me a lot of dms just the first day along dms i got about hey i'm struggling a bit or you know i'm, I'm what do i do next very interesting everyone's got their own journey uh, as i've talked about uh, in great length so um, not going to talk about it too much more now i'm going to leave it as it is but uh, thank you so much for listening last week and all your support and kind words so Back to making it now Uh, and my guest this week um, to me has made it I mean the guy runs a giant podcast network he's had a successful career in radio and one of the most go-to guys uh, in this space so this is kind of two parts today there's making it like what was Matt's trajectory and and did he make it in his eyes and then actually I get a lot of questions about the podcast space how do you make a podcast and you know, what do we do? And, uh, you know, I have a simple breakdown for them, but Matt is a really great resource for people. He builds pods for a living very successfully. So um, two parts here, making it and how do you make a podcast? Might as well put them both together and have, you know, a little bit of fun with it. So welcome, Matt Cundell. How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. That is an incredible intro. I love it. Well, hey, sometimes I get it right. And every I every now
0: and again, every now and again, I get it right. I don't even mean the description about me. I mean the description right off the top of the show and the music and the production.
1: What a guy! I love it. What a guy. Well, welcome to it, man. I mean, I uh, we've been talking for a few months. We're we're, we're um, I, how do we say partners on the Dean Blundell Network. We're associates on the Dean Blundell Network. Uh, who has given me such a great platform to um, yatter on about things that I think people might care about. And you've got your own uh, amazing network of pods as well. Uh, called the Sound Off Network, which uh, you guys can check out right here. If you're watching at home, you've got the Sound Off Podcast Network, and then there's the Sound Off Podcast, which Matt does. So, my friend, thanks for making the time today and for all of your help thus far. How are you? I'm doing
0: really well. It's uh, Winnipeg, it's like minus 30 something. And uh, here we are inside in the winter. I kind of love this time of year just from the mere fact that I can uh, sit inside and, and, and make podcasts all day. How cold is it in Winnipeg right now? minus 30 something I, I stopped checking at some point i'm probably about minus 24 and then with the wind you add that in it gets in the minus 37 area
1: that's crazy and for uh, uh, you know our american friends it's just uh, i won't try to do the math for you but it's really cold
0: <laughs> yeah if i i could actually convert that over and that would probably put
1: it at about minus uh 12 10 or 12 Fair right much. Would it basically throw water in the air and have it turn to you know, I haven't done that evaporation, this year. Evaporation. Yeah, it's a great social right. media piece. When, when that it happens. really is. It really is. Um, so you have. There's a couple of things that we're going to cover off here. Obviously, we, we talked about which was your network and sort of your journey into radio and and some things. So I think I want to I want to start with that and and give people a, a bit of. Um, matt and 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 sort of like your definition of some of these things that i'm trying to discuss which will then will turn into giving some advice into um how to start a podcast because i get asked a lot how do you start a podcast and and all walks of life you know people walking dogs or, or you know my cousin's got a um he does one for like a fishing thing in ontario and they want to start one internally so there's so many ways to go about it I, I, maybe we can cover some of that today but uh let's do the matt breakdown here so let's give a little bit of history as to um your career so far in you know into radio first and, and sort of how that became born and raised in montreal the two best things about montreal are
0: the montreal canadians and Showm 97.7 fm <laughs> and I, I growing up you know night, late 1980s you know 86 the canadians win the stanley cup uh, 87, the airwaves are full of Bon Jovi and eventually Guns N' Roses and a whole bunch of other things. And I don't think I was going to be making the Canadians, but I I thought I might be able to, uh, to get on the radio at Shome. And, uh, in the years that ensued, I went to Acadia university, studied political science. And I, I think all throughout, you know, when you're 18, that's when you really start to map out what's it going to take to really make it and what's that path going to look like. And I said, well, I want to get a degree. Um, but I also you know, want to find my way into radio. And what would that, you know, what would success be like? So I started to put little benchmarks in along the way. I said, you know, if by this age I'm doing this particular shift in this particular market, I will have made it. Which is kind of crazy because when you do get to that benchmark, you really have to start thinking about what's next. So, you know, I think I probably would have been better off doing some longer term planning. But I did uh, get on radio in the Annapolis Valley in Kentville, Nova Scotia. And it was, wow. you know, listen, I was talking to cows all night long or whoever was listening. Um, there were people listening all night between 12 and 6, and, and most of them were, I mean, some had partied, but some were really up all night and doing things. And, you know, it's quite a it, it's quite a nice audience, and it's a great sort of playground to, to learn. You mm. know, as the years went by, 1992, I graduated, went to Montreal. I got to work all nights at Sholm, and Montreal all nights, there's no place like Montreal after 3 a.m., I know Toronto at the time had a one o'clock closing time. That was, you know, that, that city had long shut down, but I think only Montreal and New York are the ones that are the cities that truly run all night. And, uh, but from there, you know, again, doing all nights. So again, I had that goal, maybe his afternoon drive in a top 10 market and got to do evenings in Edmonton at 100.3, the bear, which is now, a, I guess, regarded as a legendary uh, rock radio station in the country. It had just started at the time. And uh, found myself doing Evenings, um, other people at the station, people like Jeff Woods, who a lot of people know as, as, as the voice of classic rock. And uh, he was doing Afternoons. And, you know, as things progressed by the mid-90s, I was doing Afternoon Drive and did that right through until 2002, moved back to Montreal to um, – I really wanted to become a program director of a radio station. I had three kids. were all under two years old i said i'm not gonna be able to do mornings that's gonna be a little crazy for me um and probably not a healthy lifestyle so i I chose doing being a program director where you know and i think being a program director really sort of led me into the podcast thing and you know how audio is assembled how is it presented how do we make it so that the most people are going to want to listen to it and and so you know going back to montreal as assistant program director at Shom, and then later I uh, moved to Winnipeg in 2006 to be the program director at Power 97. Again, you know, program director, uh, top 10 market. That's that's good stuff right there. In um, 2014, was restructured out of that position. Um, and that's kind of the direction I saw radio going. And this is where I, I, I think the – see, I, I I'd made it in radio, and now I don't have radio. And I really kind of sensed I wasn't going back to radio. So mm. that's kind of, this is kind of where you had to take stock and look around and say, okay, what's going to happen next. And honestly, I had no idea what was going to happen next. And I spent two years really trying to figure out what was going to be next. I did some radio consulting. I you know, still sort of kept up my voiceover business uh, and being a voice actor, but honestly, th- there wasn't much uh, to do in that period. it was
1: Radio radio at that time is funny because I I uh, didn't necessarily grow up with it per se. My grandpa had a radio show in Lindsay, Ontario. So I was always going down into the um, the basement. You'd see the studio and the mic. And it, that was might have been the first cue. My dad was a musician and I would see him playing and, and stuff. But that first cue of like a microphone and a little studio, it was cool. And that idea. Um, radio... Then entered my life. My cousin actually ended up working at Edge One Hundred and Two in Toronto, and that's where I met, you know, Neil Morrison and Brother Bill, and and all that, you know, George and all those guys. Um, I had known all the guys prior to Dean Blundell getting there. Actually, I'd known all those kind of people, and it was fascinating to me that that radio at that time, at least growing up for me, eighties, nineties. Radio guys, the DJs were everything. Like we went to you guys for everything, you know. And this is even before the break of the net in in ninety four, ninety five. Like we went to you guys. It's only really, I think, in the last, you know, to me in my brain, like in the last maybe five years or six years, where radio and uh, with all due respect to radio, but it sort of has lost its its luster a bit from the standpoint of like. We do we still go to the radio guys for everything? I think in some of those markets, like Lachlan's show, probably I would say would have that Jeff O'Neill in in, in, um, in uh, Vancouver, but you know they, they have this audience where people look at them as 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 their go to and gods. But you guys have to move around a lot. You gotta like you're oh, what do you lay out like eight places that you've been to try to find your way to try to find that way? Is that pretty common for radio? Coming through that time, it was like you're working towards getting the morning or you're working towards afternoon drive. What are, what are those goals for you guys at that stage?
0: I think you just move to the next spot and the next spot may not be available in your market. So if you want to be doing mornings in Vancouver, you can count the number of great morning positions on just under two hands. Um but how many really successful ones are there? Well, I want to do it do it rock radio. Well, you can't because Jeff O'Neill's been doing that for a very long time. He's done it very, very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe you want to go and to another market to do that. It's kind of where the job will sort of supersede the uh you know, the marketplace. But mobility is is so important. It doesn't even, you know, matter in radio. It could just be in any form of entertainment. And we look at Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady got a little tired of Belichick and and eventually said i need receivers and a whole bunch of other stuff i can go get that in tampa bay so a little mobility is going to help and if you're open to being mobile and i'll give you an example i thought at one point in that period from 2014 to 2016 i think i need to move to los angeles if i want to be a little bit more serious about voice acting to go and get voice uh, gigs that's where the video games are made that's where the cartoons are made and that's really where you know the planet was going, and I, I think between 2014, 2016, I was taking stock and go, wait, 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 wait. Audio is getting bigger. There's more of it being consumed. There's more of it being made. Why am, Can I not find a good radio gig? And I thought that was the disconnect for me. Oh, okay. So what I need to do is I need. I want to do audio. First thing I did was buy this microphone. Second thing I did was buy that board and eventually, you know, we got a light and then we got another microphone in the corner and we started to build out from that. So we, we know audio is being, I mean, we know that what Gretzky says, don't go to where the puck is, go to where you think the puck is going to be so you can score. So there was a lot of that going on in this period as, you know, we're trying to discover what we want to do. And it was right around 2016 that, that I, you know, went to the podcast movement in Chicago, which was, which is a conference. It's still going on today Mm -hmm. in its early stages. But I went and I said, what's this? What's going on here? So everybody had a microphone and everyone's recording stuff and people were kind of joyous and fun. And yeah, there were beanbags and there were a lot of hipsters and there was, you know, a lot of millennials um, doing their thing. But I thought, okay, wait a second. This is familiar territory for me. Um, I looked at it as pond hockey that I can skate around this pond. I can keep the puck on my stick because I know what I'm doing with audio. I don't know where to score, but when I find the net, I'm going to take a shot and score. And so that really opened me up to the possibilities of what uh of what what podcast is and a few weeks later the sound off podcast was created
1: i talked to i remember todd or sorry todd hancock was one of the first ones i knew that was into that space uh and neil and danger all out here like after the the big c fox purge happened uh back in whenever that was they all kind of tried it the history on the podcast side you'd have to let Everyone know. I mean, they've probably been around a long time in some form or another. Uh, They're just they're called podcasts now. But we've all listened to audio books or some kind of thing for for a long time. But what do you like this this craziness of just everyone's got a pod, quote unquote? You know, here we are, some asshole that like me who drinks coffee and has a podcast now. Um, (laughs) You just kind of everyone has one. Why is this surge so crazy? Is it an information like everyone just wants more, more, more? Or is it just because of more platforms or there's just more talent out there? I, I, it's unbelievable. There's so many podcasts, but in a good way. I mean, yeah, you, know, you go back to 2004, the first podcasts
0: were out there and, you know, we're going to put some, it was basically hooking audio up to an RSS feed and it really hasn't changed much to this day because that's, that's essentially what we do. You know, a little bit later on, Apple got involved and i want to you know say that adam curry who was an mtv vj at one point he um is regarded as the pod father but this guy is just so technologically you know has has this vision um but i think it was you know it was apple that really their involvement i would say hey we're gonna put this on on ipods and because we really think this is something interesting and so you know credit steve jobs to that and that's why apple today still has a lot of podcast uh, listeners and is big in the ecosystem Uh, 2015 serial came out a lot of people were quite you know captivated by that a lot of credit goes to public radio npr and cbc and bbc for getting into the space and you know there it's a lot of talking and and storytelling that goes on so they're at the forefront front of the stuff Uh, so it's it's really been sort of a an escalation of good things to get us here there really hasn't been a big podcast hit created since serial in 2015. That sort of brought people into listening sure. to podcasting uh, 2016. I got into it and I know Todd Hancock, you mentioned, got into it. He was my episode number two of my series, but you know, I got to episode number two. I listened back to him. I said, yeah, I'm going to make the production a little bit better on this. And, you know, here's radio guys who are doing a podcast. And, you know, I think the the goal for me was to go out and say, what does radio have to do with podcast and vice versa? And it took it took a number of years to really figure out that they don't have a lot in common.
1: Well, I I noticed like like when you listen to sports radio or something, you know, up probably five years ago, six years ago, they were, hey, check out the pod. Like they would just take the radio show and throw it up into an audio form that you could listen to while you drive, Um, which that is still pretty like pretty new to, I think, in the ecosystem. Because I didn't hear about that. Like if you didn't listen in the afternoon, you missed the show. Now you can catch everything almost everything that everyone does in media is is put into podcast form in some some way or another and as you've pointed out and helped greatly on um you know there's plenty of opportunity for revenue and there's plenty of opportunity for um uh, chances to make make money uh, in an unconventional way really in in a new in a new way in a new way to get your voice out and, and monetize it and um i'm amazed that more people actually don't for the amount of pods that are out there i'm amazed that there aren't more people doing it that are in media, there seems to be a reluctance to dive in still from some old school media people. Because it's hard.
0: It, it's really, really hard. And I mentioned sort of the, the difference between radio and podcast is it's it's immense. So if I were to go into a radio studio and do a show, traffic and weather are all pretty much done for me. All the, all the commercials are set, You know, the music beds play, music is all set. So over 60 minutes, I'm gonna talk for what, six, seven minutes? Maybe more if it's a morning show, mm-hmm. and then and then all the other stuff is taken care of of it for me. It's all been taken care of for me. So now it's it's podcast. It's wide open. It's a, it's a blank canvas. I've got to go and get all the sounds necessary to keep a show moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be not be listened to immediately. It's going to be on demand. What if somebody listens to the show thirty days from now? What if it's sixty days from now? Is it still going to be relevant? And how do I make that to be still relevant? So there's a there's a lot to that goes in. Oh, listen, I'm nothing against I'm not saying radio is easier or harder. The the hardest job in media is to do a morning show like Jeff O'Neill does five days a week, uh, four hours of live content. Um, the second hardest job is to do a successful podcast.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because when you listen to Jeff's show or or Locke's show, um it seems like it's on autopilot. I know there's a lot of back-end production and possibly it has to do, and I, have, I don't listen to locks all the time because I'm on a different time zone. Uh, it's possibly due to the fact that the same five songs play every morning and it's not nothing more than that. I've, I don't think I've heard a new song on a Jeff O'Neill show in, in months. And what I, what I mean by that is just like, it's just like, oh, there's the there's Harvey Danger. Oh, there's uh, the New Radicals. Oh, there's, there's ACDC. It's like... Someone play the new Moist record, please. That's great. Someone play some new big rack. Someone play it. Just, I understand we're getting into the minutia. I, I don't want to dive too far into that, but they make it sound easy um, because they got the same bits every day and they have the same whatever. And it. It, 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 I mean, this podcast land is a lot of work. So someone but, comes but to, to that, but to that, yeah, credit. Podcasters should be
0: learning from that in yeah. that things are there at the same time every day, every week, and there's an expectation. So if you're doing a podcast, be predictable that you know what you're gonna get. Don't just do a podcast about widgets for four episodes and then on the fifth one, you're, you're gonna move over and do something on bottled water. So So stick with that. Also, consistent releases. Uh, Lachlan shows up at the same time every day for a show. Everybody knows it starts at five 30 or 6 AM and it ends at mm-hmm. a particular time. And at eight o'clock, you're going to get this. And at nine o'clock, you're going to get that. Those are expectations that are, that are given to people um, with a listener. It's a rapport that is created. And, and why do podcasters fail? It's because they, they do different stuff and different things and go willy nilly yeah. and think, Oh, it's my show and I can do what I want. Well, you, you can, but don't expect the listeners to be there for that.
1: So to that point, um, Radio keeps firing people. So that would hear 1040 um, cleaned out their sports department. And then Sakaris and Price, who had a really, you know, busy, busy afternoon show, switched over to pods. And then um, Don Taylor and and, and uh, Rick Dollywell switched over to Check, kind of doing a show, but also doing a pod. And at first it was really, it, they were kind of rough, right? Because they're trying to find their way. They're not used to the, these bits. But then Sakaris and Price wisely brought all their bits in. And um, so to that programmed listener, that seems like the way to go. Like you don't want to listen to Sicaris Sakhar- and Price to your point and have it be completely different. Uh, you want it to kind of be the same and, and familiar. But somebody like myself, for instance, uh, that had to build this thing from the ground up, scratch up, no following, no anybody, no anything. Really, you just, you're clawing about one person at a time. I had one download. I'm like, whoa, and then I had eight, and then I had 40, and then it was like, great. Um, You see progress as you go. So it's daunting. How do you tell somebody that says, hey, I walk dogs for a living and I want to start a podcast about dog walking or whatever. Or I've got uh, the best, um, I've got a Star Wars podcast that only talks about the stormtroopers. What do I do? Whatever it is. There's no bad idea when it comes to a pod if you've got an audience. But how do you tell someone as simply as possible, start and this is how you do it.
0: So the reason why a lot of people want to get in and do podcasts is because audio is very powerful, but what's really hard about it is, is creating great audio. So ask yourself before you start anything, what's in it for the listener. And it has to start and end with that. You can't start a podcast because you want to grow your dog walking business. You can't start a podcast because you think you're going to be you know, just famous and I'm going to just, you know, build my brand and people will like me. You really do have to put something out there that's going to be for the listener they're giving up their time to listen to this. Um, they're going to be giving up space on their phone. And I think you need to be conscious of it. And it's, you know, maybe you got like three episodes in mind, but what's episodes four through 10 look like and what are you going to talk about? And how's the listener going to consume this? And how long is it going to take to put together? So there's all these factors you need to put in when it comes to starting a podcast. Um, you know, I think a lot of people underestimate how hard it is not necessarily to put out a podcast because anybody can just, you know, you can sign up on on Anchor for free and you can maybe get on an easy plan with Libsyn and uh, put out some audio as it were, you know, testing, testing, one, two, three. Yeah, of course, it, you can go out there and do that. Uh, but what's really hard is creating a successful podcast and no one kidding going to be sustain- yeah <laughs> no. one that's going to be sustainable no but kidding I, but plan it out like every, listen mm. if, what's your release schedule is it every week cuz every week is a lot
1: Um, yeah. Maybe well, it's for me, too. I've seen gains. I've seen gains. I'm I'm very happy with the progress that the show is making. Um, you touched We talked a, a couple of, um, months ago, and you said generally speaking, three years is that number where people decide whether they're going to stay or go. And um, so I guess that it leads to this kind of question about you know why do people stop producing their show? Uh, they might. And what's that level of success? It's to each their own. Like when you ask the guests to come on, it's funny, When I ask a guest to come on, I often get them. Once the publicist gets involved, then it turns into numbers, this, 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 and that. And it's like, sure, but I could tell you I have, you know, fifty thousand downloads. But if you want, if you're only going on shows that do a million or two hundred fifty thousand, per, like what's? It just kind of seems defeatist. So, I um, I'm I'm happy with the progress, but it can certainly you know, mess with your brain a little bit if you're if you're kind of stuck and you don't know where to go with it. You
0: know? Yeah. So you, you brought up a couple of things there. So when do people stop producing shows? And the first thing is they'll get to about episode four or five and then they'll go, uh, I gotta make a change. Maybe it's around seven. A lot of people just quit. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts, many of them in Anchor, where you know, you started for free and there was really no sort of investiture off the top of podcasts with just one episode in them because people just tried it and and then they walked away. Some people get to 17. I don't know why 17 is a number. (laughs) They stop, right? They just go, that's it. I can't commit to this anymore. Um, there's the people who go, Oh, I don't see the ROI, uh, which I find to be incredibly strange because you know, making money is not really, I mean, podcast is more about marketing. It's not as much about making money and selling ads. I mean, that stuff is nice. And selling ads is hard, but, you know, only 9% of podcasts out there even have anything to do with, with an ad to begin with. So I, I, it's really from the marketing side. But a lot of people sort of demand the ROI. How you can demand ROI from a product that is on demand, that seems a little bit crazy, too. A lot of people get to 50. They'll do one year of every week. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, I'm done. And I, again, I don't see the ROI or I don't know why. Sometimes they'll get to that and get a reboot. We'll, we'll ele- you know, get somebody to help elevate their podcast to another level. And, you know, take it, maybe it signs on with a network, which is, which works sometimes. Maybe it it, it gets a, a some form of injection. They get in a dynamic ad insertion, which can be helpful. Could be anything. But again, it takes three years to build an audience and nobody wants to ever really hear that. Uh, but it doesn't matter if you're launching a radio station. I mentioned the bear early. It took three years for that station to become an established yeah. radio station in people's minds. Three years for a morning show to launch. Uh, I think, you know, I think if you ask, uh, you know, anybody who's who's done a radio show, it does take three years and even the most famous of people who've come to me and said, "Um, I want to do a podcast I'm like, okay, understand that a lot of people are going to come in early, your first four episodes are going to do quite well, it's going to drop between five uh, episodes five and 10. And you're not to panic. What that is, is that's your audience who said, you know what, I love this person who's a celebrity, I just don't know if I want to hear them in audio form i'm fine on instagram or television or wherever you get them from so it goes down but then it begins to take off again as this new audience uh begins to come in and and sort of appreciate you know this say celebrity in podcast form um to that i also wanted to mention a little bit about downloads and because you brought it up about oh you know the publicist always wants to know how many downloads there are and that's
1: i mean it's just funny because I don't I don't believe the publicists and some of these people, the bigger kind of gets, understand that space.
0: They do, and not. maybe
1: they've been faked out enough that you know they get some giant celebrity that does a show with nine followers, and somehow we're convinced into it. So they they need some back end backup to do it. Um, so I, I I understand it, but <laughs> you know I after a hundred s- episodes, you'd think they would be give you a shot or something. But-
0: yeah, you know it's um. It's, it's, I I feel for publicists because listen, every podcaster is going to want every guest on, but I've seen a couple of really neat things out there. Um, First of all, anybody, whenever they say I have 50,000 downloads, well, that doesn't mean anything. You know, what do you have in the last 30 days? What do you have in the last 90 days? How active is that podcast is, is really what you're looking for. So if, if a publicist is not asking like last 30 days, last 90 days, they're not asking, they're not asking for the right numbers. Uh, The next thing is, and I had, like, I don't, didn't, I've got the hot air podcast, which is not a very big podcast. However, I wanted to have Megan Patrick, who's country music superstar on the show. And I presented it to them as I'd like to interview Megan Patrick, but I don't want to talk too much about her music. I really just want to talk about why she's a fan of the Buffalo Bills. Right. And here I am with this audience of, you know, Buffalo Bills fans who, 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 presumably would be listening, but I thought just thought that was an interesting story. And and she went for it. And you know, she she did the interview. Um there, there's somebody else in my network, Xander, uh, who's got Xander's podcast, 12 years old, and you know, I think uh, I think Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel was was a guest. And for Jimmy, Jimmy of course is gonna say yes, I'm gonna be interviewed by a 12 year old. You know, that's, that's, a, that's kind of a nice, mm. fun, safe space that plays right in there. Sure. So I think as a podcaster, you have to offer something to anybody who's a celebrity, you got to make it worth their time. It's, it's not good enough to just say, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I want so-and-so on my podcast because I've got X amount of followers. Well, again, we talked about what's in it for the listener. Well, what's in it for the, for your guest? Yeah. And I think we, part- we get
1: that a lot on the kids on the escalator. So the other pod that, that I do that that people should or are are familiar with or should be familiar with, at, at least by this point, is I have a, a show with my friend Chris called Kids on the Escalator Podcast. So the standard radio kind of like interview about a new record or something, or a new movie or or whatever, they there there's like the publicist-driven sort of same 10 questions. So we that show is so focused on comic books and movies and film that when we have an artist on. You know, Chris is such a expert of comic and film and whatever that will actually he'll once he asks that, are you a Batman or a Spider-Man person? It changes the whole thing. The whole thing is like, sure, we're going to talk about your record, but do you like Spider-Man or do you like Batman? And then it's like that. It's almost like what kind of personality are you? And it changes the whole conversation. And then we always on that show get feedback from either the publicist or the artist saying, man, that was we haven't had those kind of interviews before. So that's exciting to do that. This is probably this show is probably more in the, my show is probably more cookie cutter standard question stuff. But but I um I certainly see what you're talking about about offering that sort of like unique take on it. Um. So you you went through radio and then made it to a spot and then. Were you forced, were you let Were you let go or did you quit to move on? were there other options from that side? Or you just decided to go all in on the podcast thing because you you made it in radio and now you're into podcasts. So where was that connection there? Oh, I was let go from radio
0: from that okay. particular position. But I had offers to go back to uh, other stations and work as a programmer in, in other capacities. And after taking a little time off, what I really began to see was that do you want to work in radio and play in their rules, which I think we've already discussed, you know, ha- have changed and doesn't have the same connection level. And, or do you want to go and do the future? And I, I really think that podcasting is the future. And if, I mean, as a business, and I'm not saying that podcasting is here to take away from radio because I don't think that's completely true. I think podcasting takes from all sorts of uh, other media Uh, But this is this I thought was expanding and growing and and the future. And so I put my chips into uh, into that side of things. But listen, I I had some wonderful discussions with radio people about some dream jobs in 2016 and 2018 to work at some really, really nice radio stations. But inevitably, the decision was I'm not going to do this because if I spend two or three years doing that, I'll have um, missed growing my company, which I really began to sort of feel was on to something around 2018. And, and I think that moment happened somewhere in a yoga class when Marla Barr, who is, uh, she was affectionately known as the detox yogi, but started a podcast. She wanted to start a podcast called Your Wellness Journey. And I said, okay, um, let's see what we can do. And more we talked and we came up with a concept and she became my first client. And then one became two, two became four, four became eight. And things began to, to really evolve from that. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit and everybody wanted a podcast, that's when the company went from 12 to 30 very, yeah.
1: very quickly. And you got a lot on there. There's the sound off podcast. I'm putting that logo up now. It's called the Sound Off Podcast Network. Matt's got his own show called the Sound Off Podcast. Predominantly, what does that show cover? The Sound Off Podcast. So great question. We talk about it. and you if
0: you go back and listen to episode two of Ton Hancock, and then you listen to five, and then you listen to 30. The sound is really loud. It sounds like radio. It's a little obnoxious Mm -hmm. in in presentation. You know, I was trying some things with benchmarks and, you know, in the end, um, the, the show really had to evolve into stories and it's the stories of people who are in radio, sometimes podcast, sometimes voiceover. It's the people who would come into contact with my company. And so it is a branded podcast. I never meant for it to be one. In fact, the, when I started, it, the company was called Matt Kendall Media and didn't become the Sound Off Podcast until two years into the podcast. At which point, the company got named after the podcast, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um,
1: that's that's funny because I've I've gone between like renaming Brenton on tour and things, and that's just you know touching on your point earlier about not necessarily. Uh, Boredom, but creativity. So, like, I, I'm not a no one knows me. So I've had to build it from the ground up. And I had a, um, a you know segments, you know, coffee, music, travel, life. And I, my initial plan was to run through those four segments in ten episode parts, and then start over. So do ten coffee, ten music, ten travel, ten life. Go back and program the audience to to be expecting those, and then it kind of moved to a different direction as more guests and different kind of things came on. So it's interesting that you you know you've even you with your expertise and stuff had to had to, had to make the adjustment cuz i see that ahead going maybe i have to adjust the name of this podcast and i've gone back and forth you and i have spoken about it in length should i you know i was going to change the name of this show to just making it but then i'm like well you know I'm, I'm i've moved in this far so i might as well just keep pushing it so it it doesn't seem to ever that answer never seems to get answered. <laughs> and, and that's not only because your show has changed, but the landscape has changed. So yeah. 2018,
0: Google showed up and said, okay, we're launching Google Podcasts. And then Google started to do this thing with um, whereby they started to identify websites that have a podcast. And so if your website was structured properly with episode pages and as well, RSS feed being attached to it and a bunch of other things, it would begin to, so that if you just type in, now if you just type in you know, your name, oh look there's a podcast here so now it's even offered in the search results Mm -hmm. of it so i mean it's not just you it's sort of the landscape around you that that has really changed and listen it's exciting some mornings i wake up and i just find out that oh amazon has decided to get podcasts well now i've got something to do today i've got to find a way to get 20 podcasts into amazon music by high noon today email all the clients back and to say Listen, there's been this change in the business and right. you know, we've got you at the front of the line. Most people I know, you know, who are sitting doing a podcast, they're like, "Did you know this about Amazon?" I said, "Yeah, it happened 2 years ago." Listen, some people are still saying subscribe on iTunes. Well, iTunes was gone in 2018. <laughs> okay, and Apple even sent a note to podcasters saying, "Please don't say iTunes anymore. We are now Apple Podcasts." Yeah. And the subscribe button started, it actually disappeared from our phones last April. It's now a follow mm-hmm. button.
1: You yeah,
0: subscribe on Google and you can follow on Spotify and Apple. But your vernacular, like a lot of people have not caught up with the vernacular, but it's not their fault. They don't know, right? It's, well,
1: you it, it constantly changes, as you said, because when I started, I started on this. My first podcast was done on my phone in a hotel room in England, okay? And then it, the, within... Probably a week of that. I was like, I got to get a mic, and then I got to get an interface, and then and then and then and then and then I was like, trying to find ways to record on the road, and then uh, just to, just what's come along over the over the time. I, I was like, okay, I'd mastered this program, and then Zoom comes along, and you're like, well, we can do podcasts on Zoom. So then Zoom comes along, but then I'm like, I do all that but then the it changes because you can't really do graphics and then restream comes along and then restream makes it easier. And then you master, try to master restream. And then you come along and say, you got to change this and change this. And I do that. And then we take, you know, so for people listening at home and I, I have that question about how to start a podcast, you record it, but then you've got to upload it into a program that'll send it out to iTunes. <laughs> it'll send it out to Apple. It'll send it out to Spotify. It'll send it out to Google for you. And that's, uh, that's a process. Well, we the whole Dean Blundell network, thanks to Matt, has switched over to a brand new system to do that. I thought I was really good on everything. It's completely messed me up. And I'm just catching up to it still and trying to, you know, master that side of it. I feel like I can offer a little bit of pod advice, but then it changes every week. And you are the kind of guy that's staying on top of these trends and telling us now, no, you got to do this and you got to do that. And it's been such a big help. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and especially like if you – like I've got – I'm working with, you know, 30, 40, 50 podcasts right yeah. now. There's so many toys out there. Your progression, by the way, is very natural. It starts with a phone, a recording, an RSS feed. We get a microphone, an interface. This is a very natural progression. Right. But you don't – listen, you don't need every toy in the box. And, and I think there's a little bit of FOMO with a lot of podcasters who feel that they do. I think one of the biggest changes in the last year has been video – and you know, I want to do a podcast. Where's my camera and do I do video? I'm like, wait a second. That's two different ways to consume it. So we have mm-hmm. to figure out what that is and what, how it's going to work best for you. I've been predominantly audio, and the reason why I got together with Dean Blundell at the Dean Blundell Network and, and everyone there is because a lot of people were asking for video and, and wanted some video strategies and and you know offered up some solutions. But, you know, at one point I was like, don't even bother with the still image and just putting the audio with the still image and putting it on YouTube. You know, two years ago I said no. And then one year ago I'm like, still, do I have to? And then this year I'm like, yeah, you gotta. Because YouTube is now the number two search engine behind Google and, you know, they own each other. So, you know, yes, you do have to have a video strategy or at least you you Mm -hmm. should consider one at some point. However... You know, what is, what is your work? I think when you start a podcast, workflow is so key. There's about, you know, 11 steps that are involved to really making, you know, a good podcast. But determine, am I going to be video first and then send it to audio? Or am I going to do audio and then, you know, do something else regarding video? You it's know- It's
1: been weird because I go... Well, just to give the listener, you know, breakdown of that side of it, but um, I was all audio first and then we added video and slowly had to figure out that. Then I had to figure out how to do it properly on Twitter. Then I had to find out the proper editing thing. It's a lot of work, people, just so you know. And then um, as an independent, especially if I don't have a team behind me, like, I mean, some, some some of those successful pods are a benefit of having a team. And it's like the second you get off the air, you don't do anything the team takes over and makes it a thing, which is fantastic. I don't have that. So it's me. Um, Chris and I on Kids on the Escada, we get a lot of views, but listens are, are still a, a struggle because people want to watch our show because we're talking about comic books and film. My show gets a lot of audio over views, something like Talking Sopranos, which I love. I'm all audio on that because I envision, I'm visioning they're breaking that show, you know, that Sopranos down scene by scene. So me as a fan, I'm listening to that show and envisioning the scene. I actually don't want to watch Steve and 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 Michael Imperioli on a on a screen talking to each other. I want to listen and have them take me there. And so that pod's completely a different way of consuming it. So I guess it really boils down to what you're talking about, which is, you got to define what it is that you're doing.
0: Yeah, and as a creator, you, you know, I'm a be everywhere guy. I know everyone's like, well, I'm gonna, I just want this on Spotify and I'm done. I'm like, well, no, you know, I, and you're not going to believe this. Somebody was actually once cutting my hair. Um, but when they were cutting my hair, I think they said they liked, I think it was Dak Shepard. Do you listen to podcasts? It says, yes, Dak Shepard. I said, well, how do you listen to that? I go well, on YouTube. I said, well, you mean you watch it on YouTube? Yeah, I guess I put it on in the back and I, and I listen. I go, well, but why wouldn't you just put it on Spotify? And you know, I, I didn't find myself arguing with the person, but I wanted to know why. But the truth of the matter is, they will consume it the way they want to consume it. Mm-hmm. our job is really as podcasters just can we make it available to them in, in some capacity because they're going to watch it the way they want sure they're gonna do it the way they want to do it um i listen on to some shows on multiple apps i think we were talking about sports earlier i listen to the colin cowherd show mm-hmm. every night at 10 o'clock i i download it and i listen to it but i'll download it on spotify so i can put it on my um smart speaker device um I don't want to say the name of her because sure. everybody's machine will ring out and that's annoying, but right, but that, that's the only reason. But if I'm in the car, I'll, I'll, I'll listen on Apple. So there's multiple ways to listen to things.
1: So now that you've gone through radio and you've built this great podcast network, there's, I got a two part question for you and then I'll let you roll. So have your goals changed now that you've got through radio and you've started this network as and. You know, what's your new definition of making it?
0: That's a great question because um, I feel like I'm kind of just at the lynch point of what I envisioned when I started, which was uh, having created a podcast network. And we did get this far into this and not even talk about the values of dynamic ad insertion, which is where the ads go. Um, You can target the ads into certain parts of your podcast and as well monetize some of the older uh, you know, episodes in your podcast stream. Mm-hmm. So I really fell in love with dynamic ad insertion around 2018 and uh, really sort of found the value of of being able to have an ad that will run only in Canada and then you can resell the spot in, in the United States. And listen, if I went on too much about it, technically I would probably bore the audience. Um, <laughs> but I guess there is, there is, you know, for 2022, um, the pandemic really did speed things up and change things, not only for, you know, for me and for, you know, clients showing up, but it also changed it for, you know, companies like Restream and, and Squadcast and everybody who put toys out there, and there's an influx of Zoom. Um, I'm still a firm mm-hmm. believer, do not use Zoom for your podcast. It sounds awful. Um, I can't, I don't know what it's like when I can't define what it sounds like to listen to a podcast that's been recorded by Zoom, but I can identify it when I hear it much the same way I can with identify porn. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, again, there's so many, there's so many toys out there. Um, you know, going on and the future is now that we built this up, a lot of it is is hey, let's build a fire and let's throw some crud on it and and see where it goes. Um, so making it for me has always been sort of growth year over year, but not hockey stick growth. And I think that's the big lesson, whether it's for my company, and maybe I'll judge it financially, maybe I'll judge it by you know revenue or number of listeners or number of clients I have but it's the same for downloads. Did it grow? That's all, you know, even if it grew just a little bit, that's okay. One, two, 3%. And, and, you know, I got out, I do a podcast and then once a week and then I would check the the downloads and I'm checking every night before bed and it makes me crazy. And why didn't it go up? And, you know, look at it from in terms of 30 days and 90 days, that's the only thing you need to do good metrics, 30 days and 90 days. Did it grow one, two, 3%? That's great. And so I, you know, Valerie Geller, who um, is, you know, really behind three years to build an audience. Um, you know, I said to her in a, in a podcast episode, a very good one. If you want to get some free coaching and advice for for audio, you know, I said, you know, Valerie, it's a lot like breaking rocks all day to have to do this, to do the social media posting and the marketing, to create an mm-hmm. audiogram and 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 you know, make appearances on the internet to tell people where to find it and stuff and. So, well is it breaking rocks or is it building blocks and it's it's building blocks and it, it's slow and it takes time and you know thankfully i've got a partner my partner avery she's just you know says do you remember that time in 2015 where you when you were like didn't have any of this stuff and really didn't know where it was going and you, your company had revenues of ten thousand and fifteen thousand dollars and 15,000 a year and i'm like yeah and that wasn't even podcast money that was that was like consulting money and some yeah, other crazy yeah. stuff. So, so, that, you know, look how far you've come in it. It takes, it's just, it's a slow process and did it grow and, and are you happy with the growth? And th- and that's it. Don't, don't go looking for any hockey stick growth. If you, if you're thinking your podcast is going to start bringing millions of people and money in, it's not, it, it's a slow
1: process. It's certainly building blocks. It's a building block. Final question for you. Has Matt Cundall made it? He has, you know, he's, he's
0: done very well for himself. I'm I'm actually, thank you. I, you know, and again, uh, I'm 25, seven years, you know, seven years is, I think in, in whatever it is that you do seven years, there's something to it. So I sort of looked at seven years being on a radio show, that's a lap around the track in terms of like listeners and a generation of listeners. Yeah. If you get a second lap around the track, that's two generations. Cause I know some radio shows have gone 14 years. Um, after seven years, you've done a pretty significant, you know, some changes may need to happen in some capacity. You get, that's that seven year itch. It's not just for relationships. Sure, It can be for so many things. I mean, you have a relationship with your work or your career and, and, and some and whatever it is that you're doing. So, I mean, look at it that way. I mean, I I think there is something coming next um, for me um, in terms, and I think, you know, having launched uh, again, a second network with Dean Blundell and, and partnering up and, and, and doing all that where we're building something over with Spotify on, on megaphone and looking, looking to the future with that, with content creators. I think this is really, really exciting. And we're doing it in Canada as well, you know, with a lot of, and, and, I know that a lot of people are like, well, what does that mean? Well, Canada is one tenth the United States. Yeah. And, and I think to have Canadian, I think if you want to have like a big podcast, you're going to need some American downloads. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure that talking about the Winnipeg jets is going to make you a top podcast in, in North America. In that sense, maybe for the Packers or the Lakers or the Cowboys uh, and you can talk about it and do well, you'll probably get some American downloads, but it's very, very hard to get some, some, you know, all those, you know, downloads and the track the attention of advertisers. Uh, if you're going to be, you know, talking about something on the smaller side, n- there's nothing wrong with doing a podcast about the Winnipeg Jets. You're just going to have to, you know, sort of know your audience and that, yeah. that
1: that Well, you're- it sets your goals. It's like, you know, yeah. you're probably only defined into that, but I've always, I, you know, I talked to Mercedes about it too. And um, when we were first coming out and all, a lot of the research that I did, and I'll just kind of ended up with this point, but you know, there's so many different ways to kind of set out goals. But if she can have the number one podcast in Whistler, then that's fine too. There's tons of advertising money in Whistler. There's tons of ways to make a living with a podcast in Whistler. Shaw Cable just picked her up and threw her on. So good for her. Like you know, it's one of those things where they they recognize what she's doing, and and did it. So I'm I'm really. Really happy for that. And I think that, you know, if you look at having the biggest podcast in the world, great. If you look at having the biggest podcast in your little town, then take all the advertising out of that little town and have the biggest podcast in Winnipeg. Whatever is going to be for you. But as long as you're doing it to be creative and entertain yourself, you should be able to entertain everybody else. And nobody does it better than you, my friend. And I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so
0: true. It's not about having the 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 biggest audience, it's about having you know the right audience
1: dedicated uh okay uh where can everybody find you online and all the good stuff my friend
0: you can see all the podcasts are over at soundoff.network and uh, my podcast is called the soundoff podcast and you can find that um anywhere podcasts are available although i'm not supposed to say that because it's a bit of a trap word because if somebody wants to go to Facebook, there's not exactly the podcast there. But
1: I, well, listen, and you've you've uh, you've got some great stuff on your sound uh, your uh, SoundOff podcast show. Um, anybody that's interested in starting a podcast or going down that road, Matt it interviews tons of people that can help you with that process. And um, you never know, maybe you'll build something and get added to his network one day. But uh, that's Matt Cundell, Sound SoundOff podcast and Sound SoundOff podcast network. Also part of the Dean Blundell Network, a good buddy of ours, a big help to all of us. And I thank you on behalf of everybody on the network and all the work that you do for us uh, in helping us grow this thing together. It's been awesome. So, well, thanks for having me today. No problem, buddy. Uh, that is the Brent On your podcast for another week. Uh, join me next week. The more people that are making it, their definition of making it, what's theirs, what's yours, whatever it is, friends, do it your way. So that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody.
0: Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at TheAllyMars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch
1: you love to hate. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
0: I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundel from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up
1: Podcasts.